So let's, let's read some words that have got real, real promise uh, for, for us. So should we read together? Isaiah wrote, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Lord, if nothing else with those words just sink into our hearts today. Thank you, God, that you speak. You are the God who speaks. And for any of us who are seeking treasure today, your treasure, let these words land in our hearts. For those of us here who are waiting in really painful circumstances, those of us here are crying out to you, God, and saying, where are you, God? With these words, this promised land. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Take a seat. And if you want to, you may just want to just think about this on your, on your own. Please feel completely free to do that. But if you want to just turn to a neighbour and just say, are you good at waiting? Are you a patient person? So, good morning again. Yeah, so, um, I... I suspect that there are not an enormous number of people in the room who would say that they're really good at, at waiting. I mean, if you are, praise God, because it's, it's a fruit of, of God the Holy Spirit at work in us, isn't it? Patience is a fruit of, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something we should pray for, for, for more of. But um, we live in a culture, don't we, where waiting is something that is just universally almost regarded as a bad thing. And we would be really kidding ourselves if we thought that we weren't influenced by, by our culture. So, you know, we have to just recognise the truth that our, our lives and, and really importantly our desires are being shaped by, by a culture that says that any kind of waiting is, is a bad thing. Um, I have family um, down, down in Devon, in rural Devon. And when they come and stay with us, they love the fact that you can order any kind of takeaway and it's just delivered to your, to your door almost, almost immediately. Uh, anyone else have family who they're going to see who have that same experience? Yeah. It's, it's, we live, don't we? And, and goodness sake, isn't it annoying when it's going to take, I don't know, 35 minutes to come? I mean, this is ridiculous. 35 minutes for an entire Indian feast. Just outrageous. I mean, it's, people don't realise the pressure that some of us are living under. Um, you know, who, who uses Amazon you know, rather than others? Because you can get Amazon Prime, get next day delivery. All the time. I mean, I, the honest truth is I could buy one or two things slightly cheaper in other places, but I'd have to wait, gosh, two, three days. We are being shaped and our, our desires are being refined and shaped by the culture around us. And any of us who follow Jesus know that we're called to live, yeah, absolutely in our culture 
but we're really called not to be shaped by this culture, but to be shaped by what God says. And we've just read a bit, a bit of God's, God's word. Here's my uh, are you good at waiting kind of uh, little thing going up there. There it is. Thank you, Jonathan. You know, isn't it annoying how to wait? Did you know it's only 11 days, though, until the shortest day? Yeah, summer is coming. 12 days time. Got my flip-flops back on. Summer. Because I, I, I am a little bit, I do, a bit of sadness. Um, it's only 150 days until the Eurovision Song Contest. Isn't, isn't that an encouragement? Does anyone in this room need hope? I, I looked up, um, I, and by the way, I, I want to keep repeating it. I just want to acknowledge how painful waiting is. There are people here I know, you're waiting in such pain. And I, I pray in just, in just being jokey at points, you won't feel that I'm not taking the seriousness of your waiting. I think the Lord has good messages for all of us. I, I, I looked up, there's a definition of, of waiting, which is to allow time to go by especially while staying, while staying still in one place without doing very much. To allow time to go by, especially while staying still in one place without doing very much. Again, if you want to just turn to your neighbour, do you think that that is a godly biblical definition of waiting? No, was the correct answer, okay? If you said yes, please come and see me. No. So here we are. Here's, here's what we're thinking about. And, and if you heard some of this last week in the evening, apologies, but um, here we are, waiting expectantly. What does it mean to wait expectantly? Because that's the tradition of this season of Advent. comes from, from the uh, Latin to me, looking forward to what is coming. Are you looking forward to what is coming? And of course, in this season... One happy customer. Uh, in, 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 in this, feel free to, you know, leave at any point. Um, no, bless you, genuinely sorry. Bless you. We love having kids here. There is a little escape crash. Um, are you looking forward? You know, looking forward to the coming of Jesus, of course, and celebrating, you know, the birth of Jesus and the nativity, but also looking forward to and, and welcoming Jesus when he comes on the last day, when he comes as he's promised. And Tim was talking about this a while back as we were talking about heaven. But are you, are you thinking about how you're welcoming Jesus now? So, so we've welcomed God into the world in the baby Jesus, in the incarnation. He's been welcomed, and we're going to celebrate that welcome. We're looking forward to the absolute certainty of welcoming Jesus on his return. But are you expectantly welcoming Jesus now? I love that word that's being given. There's treasure here today. And it's a word that was given. It was said it might be for some people who've been part of this church family for a while. And it's, it's a word of encouragement and a word of invitation from God, not a word of kind of admonishment. It's saying if you've been here in a while, there's more treasure if you seek first the kingdom 
of God, the kingdom of heaven, God's right rule, right place in your life. There's treasure, more treasure that he wants to give to you. Are you welcoming Jesus today? Because the Bible has a sense of waiting, that it's something that is expectant. Let's go back to those words from Isaiah 40. So, so speaking and prophesying and, and speaking and saying what God was saying into the situation, that's what prophets do. But also looking forward to Jesus, thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. And here are those words, and then I've just underlined and draw your attention to one particular word. Some of you may have even noticed it if you've read a number of versions of the Bible and one wondered why we had one word and not another. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But, but, you can do such a, we'll do a sermon series on, on but in the Bible. There are so many places where that word, it's always the little words actually in scripture that have such significance, don't they? But those, and then here's a Hebrew word that can be translated in a, in a number of different ways. Lots of our translations will say hope or trust in, but actually the, the Hebrew really wait on. But those who hope or trust in or wait on, kavar is the, is the Hebrew word, on the Lord will renew their strength. You always in scripture notice repeated words, don't you, as well? That's another little thing. If you're ever looking in your Bible, reading a Bible, what's the repeated words? Here's the word. Will renew, uh, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like e eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I wonder what God wants us to hear in this passage. It's, it's there, isn't it? It's, it's not a kind of worldly kind of waiting in hope, but not much expectation, not a certainty. So, you, so the result is you don't act upon it. If I'm waiting for this, if it happens, then. But what the Bible is saying is that a uh, 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 a Jesus way of waiting, a follower of Jesus way of waiting is to say, because I have certainty in God's promises, then, then I will act now in, in anticipation, in the light of what is going to happen. Just, just let that sink in a moment. Just let yourself just feel the slight stretch the slight tension of that in a world which is saying to you, you've got family, you've got friends. Maybe your partner would say this to you. We, we, we wait in hope and, and we'll act if. As opposed to as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you say, we wait with an expectancy, with a knowledge that God is going to move and so therefore we act now. Now, again, if you're here in the room and you're just saying, Andrew, but if you knew what I was waiting for and you knew how disappointed I've been, if you knew how many times it feels like God has let me down, and we need to name these things, I want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for your faith. In the body of Christ, in being the family of Jesus Christ, you are the ones that demonstrate to us more powerfully, actually in a sense, what faith looks like. Those of you who are holding on, 
those of you who are keeping going, those of you who are choosing to still position yourself, however difficult it is, before God in expectancy of his problem, you are the ones that are inspiring us with faith. It's in our weakness that God works most powerfully. So thank you. Isaiah is looking forward, of course, isn't he, to the birth of Jesus. He's saying, act now. Augustine, famously, the, the ancient uh, leader in, in Christi the Christian church and in this country, said um, about talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament, the new, and here's a quote, the new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. Je Je thank you, Jonathan. I think we can put that up. Have I got that in there as the next slide? Oh, have I not? Sorry. There we are. There we are. Thank you. Thank you so much. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. Talking about the connection. And as we, as we track through the, the Advent season, a, a character who comes up is, many of us will know, John the Baptist. And here's, here's how each of the gospel writers links or shows how John the Baptist is the prophet linking from the Isaiah prophet forward. Mark uh, says, he was a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Matthew says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Luke, Luke says, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Each of the gospel writers makes it clear that John the Baptist is this, is this figure who connects the Old Testament to, to, to the New Testament. There'd been a 400-year gap between 400 years of people saying, when is God going to do what he's doing? But John the Baptist is saying, well, you should have been waiting and preparing and positioning yourself. And again, now... Even just in advance, he's saying, act on the light of God will do what God has said because he's doing and he's moving in Jesus. And I'm sorry, you're so right, Jonathan. This is when I was going to show that quote, wasn't it? Yeah, I apologize. Jesus is the lens through which we look at all things. Just want to flick to, to Luke 1. Each of the gospel writers has a, a sense of how they make the connection and how they talk about waiting expectantly. Um, Mark is the, is the shortest of our Gospels, isn't he? And there's an urgency. Mark doesn't include the resurrection because the people who are followers of Jesus, they knew they saw the resurrection of Jesus and they're asking the question, how did we get here? That's why Mark's gospel is like that. And Mark is quick and sudden and come on, there's an urgency to respond. Matthew talks about fulfillment, really presents Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. John, theological, spiritual. But here's Luke. Here's Luke, very direct about what he's doing as he records for us the story of Jesus and the beginning of the story of Jesus which we're thinking about now in Advent and looking forward to celebrating. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Critical bit there, anyone who wants to know about the Bible and the truth of this thing. Luke is saying, I've spoken to eyewitnesses. I've connected with eyewitnesses to all of this. 
And then he goes on to say in Luke 1, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, most excellent probably means that this is someone quite senior in the Roman Empire. That's a, that's a, that's a, a most excellent is a kind of accreditation and honor. So we're talking about someone high up in the Roman Empire that is the oppressor, the powerful force that is a follower of Jesus. Because look what he says, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So this high-ranking Roman official is already a follower of Jesus. They've already been taught some things, but... Luke is saying, I want you to be certain. I want you to be certain of the good news because that's Luke's, that's Luke's concern. Again, just asking this question. As you wait for God, as you wait for the things, you know, the promises that you perceive, as you hear this word about treasure, are you waiting in a worldly kind of way? Come on, God. If you, then I'll act. Or are you waiting in a, a biblical way with certainty? Certainty. It's all there in the nativity story that we'll be focusing on over the next couple of weeks in those carol celebrations. It's, it's all there, the certainty of God's action, that there's no accident, that Jesus has been promised by the prophets of, of old. He manages to arrange to be born in the right place. Neat trick. He'll also die in the right place. Neat trick. He's fulfilling all of those prophecies, the certainty. But it's, a, it's for a reason. It's the Welcome to come, but it's also the welcome, as I keep saying, now. Last week, um, Jennifer was talking about Mary, let's, uh, Zachariah and, uh, and Elizabeth, and then Mary. And we'll just follow on a little bit. Just pick, let's pick out some more verses. Great talk if you want to go into greater detail. But here we are. Here's what Luke says um, about, about the angel connecting with Mary. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David there's a looking back and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever as a looking forward his kingdom will never end here's a now his kingdom now clearly um, I'm not purpose today there's so much that Jennifer said so helpfully about Mary but wow and then Next slide. Thank you, Jonathan. Mary's question, her response. Uh, again, I think Jennifer said this last week. It's not a challenge response. It's a faith response, isn't it? Have you noticed that? Because Mary doesn't say, are you sure? Mary doesn't say, really? Can Mary says, okay, how? You're going to do this. I, I am going to carry the Messiah. But I would like to know how. It's a faith response. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit 
Luke's concern the whole time, the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. We've got this very focus, variable focus, the looking back, the looking forward and the now question. To wait expectantly is, is to position ourselves in, with a certainty that God is going to act. Let's just pick out three things really quickly from, from that. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail, says the angel. Or with God, nothing is impossible. Angels assured Mary it's God's work in her. God wants to, to say to you that, that his promises that he's made to you in the biggest picture of his promises about the kingdom of heaven, about the certainty of the kingdom coming, of what's coming on the, the final day of eternal life and his blessings for you now are not dependent on you. They are all dependent on God's work, his power, the work that he's done in the past, the work that, yes, he's going to do in the future, the work that he's going to do now. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. There it is. There's the, there's the faith perspective to position myself. However unlikely something might seem, she's young, you know, she's a virgin, she's betrothed in marriage. However unlikely it might seem that God would do what you're hoping, are you positioning yourself with a faith posture? And we know that, that Mary walked out this faith posture, this positioning before God throughout her life, don't we? She knows she kept going through the pregnancy and through all the challenge and all the shame that it would have uh, brought to her. She kept on trusting. We know many of us who, who've read our Bibles that at the wedding at Cana, which John puts at the beginning of his gospel to, to sort of set the scene, at the wedding in Cana, she, Mary's the one who says to the steward, trust him, do what he says, do what Jesus says when they don't have enough wine. She's there, Mary, at the foot of the cross. When everyone else is sort of kind of thinking and they're going to need Mark's gospel very quickly soon to tell them how they get to the resurrection. When the others have deserted, when the others have said, well, the promises that God has made, they can't now be real because look, there's Jesus. Mary says no. Mary carries on. Mary's got a posture. And in that instance, it's in her pain, her agony, her tears at the foot of the cross. Again, just want to say, if you are waiting in pain, if you're wait, if you can only, it is the most powerful only, be at the foot of the cross. That's where God is meeting you, in your pain. The God who is not aloof and distant from pain, but the one who has literally come and embraced pain. That's where Mary went. And stayed. I cheer you on. I celebrate you. If that's what you're doing. You're just sitting and resting in tears. At the foot of the cross. You, you could be in no better place. Right now. 
And we know from the letters in the New Testament, Mary carries on as a key figure in the church. She keeps trusting. She keeps positioning. She keeps acting in the certainty of all is going to be fulfilled. And there it is. May your word to me be fulfilled, she says. Then the angel leaves her. I mentioned takeaways. Boy, are we shaped by this world, aren't we? What might God, though, want you to take away in this Advent season? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you know about this story, you have a sense that you know about God, about Jesus. Well, he wants you to know him, to actually really not just know about. He wants you to have certainty. And in Jesus Christ, there is certainty. If you're here and you're kind of hanging on and hoping that when you die, you're going to be okay, but you don't know, God wants you to have certainty in what he has done in Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the point of the Christmas story and all that follows. And you gain certainty through letting the promises of God come into you. Through saying, yes, I choose to believe. And in that choice, in that saying, yes, then God comes and does his work in our hearts. We can't do that work ourselves. We can't be good enough. We can't earn enough. All we can do is receive. Maybe you think you're unlikely. Why would God be bothered about you? Well, he chose the unlikely Mary. If you are a follower of Jesus, what does it mean to wait expectantly? It's been said that patience is a bitter plant, but produces sweet fruit. What could be God's purposes in a waiting time? Again, forgive me if this sounds clunky, There'll be plenty of situations in this room where you're waiting for things and I would be just as confused as you. I would be just as troubled, perhaps, as you. So just let God, if he wants to, if he wants to, just give you any insights that these words, even if they land a bit clunkily, might give you. Well, as I've said, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in us. 
So in the bit between when we say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. Come into my life as Lord. And when we are with him in heaven fully and everything is made right by him, in that in-between time, the Holy Spirit is at work in us, changing us from the inside out. And it might be that you need more patience, more fruit in this way in your life. See, I have found that when I've had to wait, God refines my desires. So many times when I look back over my 60 years, I can see times where I've said to God, God, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is, this is, I didn't say this, but this is what I was thinking. This is what I deserve. And in the process of waiting, as painful as it can be, God has refined those desires. And I have found myself praying differently because of having to wait. Just please hear the health warnings about not being clunky, that God, you know, God doesn't play games with us. But in times of waiting, which may be to do with the fallenness of the world and stuff not working as it should, God can work in that way to refine desires. I look back at my 60 years and I can also see times where God has given me a different and changed my perspective on the value of things through waiting. So God has refined my desires at times in the waiting and God has also helped me get a different sense of what really matters through waiting. The analogy is like a parent with your children. They might come to you and say, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And you say, darling, a Shetland pony is quite a big thing to take on for Christmas. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. So a good parent sometimes invites their child to refine their desires and also to get a sense of how something is going to matter. And thirdly, of course, in the waiting, and please just hear, keep hearing, I hope, a grace-filled health warning. I don't think God automatically is doing this if you're having to wait. But I can see in my own story how my dependency on God has grown because I have had to wait. Might it be possible that God would want to say something to you about some of those things this Advent season? With certainty that he is at work, he is acting, Jesus is coming again. Does God need to refine your desires? Does God need to give you a perspective on what you are valuing and how you're valuing things?
does, what, does God want to increase your dependency on him? Because you're having to wait. Or in your waiting. Is there treasure? Is there more treasure? Treasure of the kingdom that God wants to give you this Advent.